fourth watch starts now. Fourth Watch with Justin Paul on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. Tonight is going to be a debriefing of my paranormal road trip last weekend. What was meant to be a time of discussion with a possible future guest on the show turned into a strange trip filled with demonic events. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of the Fourth Watch Radio Network. I call this episode Paranormal Case Files, Lincolnton, North Carolina. Tonight's going to be a little different than our usual shows. I'm going to be sharing some very personal encounters I had this past weekend. It was an unexpected course of events, and it's still so fresh on my mind, it may be a little difficult to talk about. But I believe that this is one adventure I should share with everybody. First of all, I had a little idea of the situation going into it, but I honestly had no idea it was going to take the turn that it did. A close friend of mine, who is the daughter, had warned me that it could get pretty strange at this house. I figured I would just go up to visit with Dallas, her dad, ask him some questions, and get some video clips of him talking about his experiences. I was under the impression that he was a Christian, who had just been demonized his whole life. I also knew that he lived in a haunted house for many years, where my friend grew up. I wanted to take a drive to the house and ask the current owners a few questions and look around the property. I also wanted to do a little bit of investigation around the area surrounding Dallas's home. So here's a little background of the area. It's a historic area. It's a small town called Lincolnton on the outskirts of Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's filled with many old buildings and historic landmarks, many of which are shut down indefinitely. This is a place known for its historic haunted houses, haunted plantations, and even a deranged retired hospital, said to be filled with demonic principalities. There are many records of slave crimes and abuse there as well. These are things that I didn't know about until after the fact. It's also rich in Native American history and has Indian burial grounds spread throughout the area. Dallas has some Indian blood in his genes, apparently. Blackfoot Indian, according to his research. Interestingly, as I dug a little deeper, I found that the Blackfoot Indians were often visited by animals in their dreams with messages. These weren't ordinary animals, but animals in human form. This may be significant in the whole scheme of things, but maybe not. So the adventure begins. My friend and I hit the road about 8 p.m. on Friday night. It was a great night for driving with a hot cup of coffee. We began driving, and as we got on the interstate, I said we should go ahead and pray for safe travels. She then stated that she was just about to bring that up, but she wanted to add something to the mix. She said that we were going to be entering a place of extreme demonic activity, and it could be dangerous if we're not prayed up. So not only were we going to be praying for safe travels, but we were going to be praying for spiritual protection as we entered into the location. This kind of threw me for a curveball, but we went ahead and prayed. A few hours later, we arrived at ground zero. Dallas was waiting for us outside. 
There were tiki torches lining the porch, lit, waiting for our arrival. The porch was built around a huge historic tree that had an animal face carved into it, and it was whitewashed around the face. We got settled in, and we began talking, and I turned on the camera. Dallas told me of some strange UFO experiences he had had as a kid, and he seemed to think that this is where it all began. He then brought up the haunted house. This was the house that was next door to the house that he grew up in. His best friend lived there, so Dallas spent a lot of time there as a child. When his best friend moved out, a preacher then moved in. This seems to be the beginning of the demonic presences in that particular house. We'll get deeper into that in a few minutes. Years had passed, and the preacher and his wife put the house up for sale at a dirt cheap price. It was so cheap, they didn't even require a down payment. Dallas went to talk to them about buying the house. What he found out was pretty wild. Apparently, the preacher had been tormented by demons in the house. The preacher was certain that the house was evil. It got so bad that they were willing to sell the house for next to nothing. So Dallas bought the house, knowing that it was filled with demons and strange activity. After some time passed, the preacher's wife returned to the home to tell Dallas that her husband had just blown his head off. Weird things would happen. Phones would fly off the hooks, off the receivers, and they would launch across the rooms. There was a large room on the left side of the house with a huge wall of windows looking into the woods. It was the living room. It was sort of like the windows of a sunroom. This room would be a hot spot for the demonic activity. Music would begin to sound in that room at random times. We're not talking about music from a stereo or a television, but weird music with no source. The music was heard by everyone who visited the house, and it sounded like light humming by young girls. Dallas got married and they gave birth to my friend. My friend's mom said that even on the night she gave birth, before going to the hospital, strange things were happening in the house. It was an ongoing battle. There was some sort of specter that would appear across the windows. It looked like a white figure in a flash of light. Everyone who was in the house would see this. One day, Dallas decided to try and get in the hidden attic room on top of the house. He found a way to climb up there, and what he found was chilling. This little hidden room on top of the house that you had to climb on top of the roof to get to was filled with torn out Bible pages that had been pasted all over the walls of the room. There were also white hand-painted crosses painted everywhere around the walls and the ceiling. The preacher had spent quite a bit of time up in this hidden room. Unfortunately, he didn't know how to handle the entities properly, and he was tormented unto the point of taking his own life. Dallas began displaying signs of possession, and he would lock himself in the laundry room for long periods of time to paint pictures. It would creep out his family at the time. His wife already had to deal with demonic activity in the house, but her plate got fuller as time progressed, and Dallas began the strange behaviors. We'll get back to the house later. The next topic we talked about in our interview was really creepy. His current wife spoke out, and she said that she had a guardian angel. She said it was her dead aunt who died a tragic death in New York. The story goes that she was ice skating, and she fell through the ice to her death. She is convinced that this specter that has been appearing to her, protecting her, and even communicating with her, is none other than her late aunt. Biblically, this isn't possible. We know that demons will appear as deceased family members in order to gain trust over time. 
Then when the subject is willing, the demon will take full possession over the vessel. But the story that you're about to hear is what we were told by both Dallas and his current wife. One night they were having an argument. Dallas grabbed her by the arms to calm her down. At that point, an invisible claw of sorts came swiping down across Dallas's chest, slicing him at a diagonal. They both were terrified and jumped back away from each other. He was physically attacked by a ravenous invisible claw and was left injured. He told her that he now believed in her so-called guardian angel. The story went on that this wasn't the only deceased person that was communicating with her, but it was the one that protected her in her opinion. I warned her that demons act like this. I told her of the steps that they take to build trust and then possess a vessel, but she was sure that it wouldn't be the case with her situation. As I researched the case files on the Warrens, who dealt with many demonic situations in the past, I read the story about Annabelle, the doll, years ago, and a similar scenario came up where an invisible set of claws came up and raged across a college student's chest. Some of you listening right now may be thinking how crazy this all sounds, and it does, but this is something that has occurred many times throughout history in many locations where demonic behavior was rampant. The interview continued, and he disclosed how at 62 years old, he will get these bursts of superhuman strength, and he will single-handedly move things that would require multiple men. He said that this happens at work, and people get scared. His current wife and even his daughter confirmed this. My friend said that it always freaked her out when this would happen. It was humanly impossible. Towards the end of our conversation, he was in mid-sentence and began speaking in a true Irish dialect. His voice changed heavily. It was uncontrollable, and he said that this happens sometimes. This is another telltale sign of demon possession, when voices and dialects change, and sometimes even languages. I didn't think too much about it until watching the video later and realizing just how real this all was. Another interesting thing about the interview was his eyes. They had a slight light twitch in them, and there was a glow in his pupils. I didn't notice it in person, but it appeared in the video. My friend's mom later, who is his ex-wife of 30 plus years, confirmed that his eyes would do this on a regular basis while they were together. Interestingly, she brought this up on the phone, and we had said nothing about it until after she brought it all up. She knew that there were dark forces within Dallas and has been far away from him for many, many years. Now, I want to cover something really strange with you all. On the way down there, my friend told me something that really scared her. She said that a couple years ago, her brothers both went out and got the same tattoos of an amulet-type symbol called the Hanya Mask. This is a mask of the horned god, said to protect people from demons and dark forces, and is another representation of the horned god which is sought after in high levels of Wicca and other occult groups. It really freaked her out. And she told them that there is no protection from demons outside of Jesus Christ Yeshua. Now you should know that her brothers and her dad don't communicate. The brothers had separated from him years back and have no communication with him whatsoever. My friend saw these demonic tattoos and then she went to see her dad afterwards. Upon arriving at her dad's, he was excited to show her this new carving that he did. We're just going to call it a carving right now. It was a detailed statue rendition of the horn god's head. It had so many similarities to the tattoos, 
but ironically there had been no communication between the sons and the dad in years. This could be chalked up to pure coincidence, but from a spiritual perspective, it's not so much a coincidence. Here's where the story takes a turn. Dallas has countless of these so-called carvings surrounding his property and even in his home. Some might call it art, but here's the kicker. He starts with a large tree and he cuts out a huge block of wood, sometimes 60 plus pounds or more. Then he takes a full-size chainsaw and starts cutting away at the block. He has no idea what he's doing, no idea of any plans or shapes, but rather just starts cutting away at these big blocks of wood with a chainsaw. Sometimes it takes a week, sometimes it takes four weeks, but what he's left with are these deities of various demonic creatures. He doesn't mark the wood or draw out any lines or shapes. This is very important to understand. He just goes out to it with an empty mind. The first question I had was, how do you get such detail with a chainsaw? It's hard enough to get a straight cut with a chainsaw, let alone craft out these detailed deities. He said that they just come out of the wood. He said they are already in the wood, but the chainsaw just takes off the excess wood that's hiding them. I was a little freaked out by this. We know what automatic writing and automatic painting is, but I have never heard of automatic wood carving with a chainsaw. I mean, details were cut out with eyes, mouths, sometimes horns, teeth, and too much to list. I knew that what we were dealing with was nothing less than spirit channeling, empowering the carving of these idols, hewn out of trees. This truly takes me back to Jeremiah chapter 10. I was told that this whole property was surrounded by these carvings, and I was going to see them the following day. After some time, we decided it was time to turn in for the night, as everyone was tired and ready to go to bed. Everyone but Dallas, that is. He said he was going to stay up all night. I was a little concerned about sleeping there, but I didn't really have a lot of options at this point. I couldn't sleep. I laid in bed and prayed, and my mind was running nonstop. I was finally able to drift off, and what happened next was alarming. I found myself in a strange dream, paddling myself on my stomach, on a skateboard, using my arms to push off the ground. A police officer began chasing me, and I saw a ravine to my right with an old house behind it. I tried to paddle myself up the grass hill to the ravine, but the struggle got too hard to bear, and I finally got up and ran over the ravine bridge to get away from the officer. I was then surrounded by armies of spiders moving in on me. They were all shapes, colors, and sizes, and I knew that they had to be poisonous. The cop made his way up to me and cornered me as the spiders creeped in on me. I begged for him to let me move out of the area, and he forced me to stay. About that time, I was bitten on my left leg behind my knee. The pain was so sharp that it caused me to wake up in a jerking motion. As I woke up, my leg was stinging right where the bite was in my dream. There was no mark, but the pain was there. This has never happened to me in a dream before, where the pain was felt after waking up. A couple hours later, my friend told me that earlier her dad was pacing around belligerently and cussing and screaming about how something had been messing with his stereo system. She calmed him down, and she told me that he was under another demonic attack. I asked her when this was all going on, and it seemed to be right about the time that I was attacked in my dream and got bitten by the spider. At this point, we needed to get some fresh air and regroup. So we left Dallas's house and we went to the store and got some hot coffee. 
I wanted to do a video update of what was happening. So we pulled over to an old historic general store that had been converted into an antique shop. I thought it would make a great backdrop for the video. The shop was closed, so we decided to walk around the property, and we found a small commune of little antique shacks. These were historically preserved slave quarters. The doors had antique lock fixtures and handles that locked from the outside in order to keep the slaves locked up at night. I started to get an eerie feeling as we looked around. Many slaves were practicers of black magic, voodoo, and Santeria mixed with Catholicism. This grouping of occult practices is often referred to as African religion. This area we were exploring is one of the many former plantation properties where only certain structures have survived the test of time. In this particular case, the slave quarters were all that remained. We also know of so many tragedies of slaves being raped and killed which we know to be the actions of demonically influenced behaviors. The unfinished wood and the rusty tin roofs of the small shacks held many stories that we would never be able to hear. We started to look around in some of the shacks, and I heard my friend freak out and scream at what she saw. I went over and looked in the shack, and there were 11 carved dummies, life-size males with wooden hinge joints on the arms and the legs. They were painted white with old wigs, beards, and eye marbles. Some of the eyes were solid black while others were milky white with scratched off pupils. Some of the eyes looked scourged and attacked. The faces were penetrating to say the least. They had looks of despair carved into them, and one even looked like it had been crying out of its left eye. They were donned in old robes. These carved dummies seemed to resemble disciples from the Bible. My rational thinking tells me that these were antique props, possibly used in a church play at some point. But how eerie these things were, and a strange energy was present in the room. I wasn't sure what was going on here particularly, but I had a bad feeling about this location. This particular shack was marked with a no trespassing sign. There was a mystery here and I couldn't crack it. What was the significance of these figures? Why were they painted white? And why were their eyes scourged and scratched up? Why is it that we found these carved figures only a mile down the road from Dallas's house, where he had been carving strange figures also out of wood? While this could easily be a coincidence, if I ever saw these things in a church building, I would probably get out of there as quick as possible. And why were these disciples being locked away in a historic slave cell? I really shouldn't speculate. But it was a little disheartening to say the least with everything else going on in the background. And regardless of all the coincidences, I can't deny the dark energies coming off of these carved figures. We got the video shot and we hit the road, heading to the haunted house about 30 minutes away. I was curious to figure out if the current owners had been experiencing any of the same phenomena that my friend and her family had experienced. We finally arrived and pulled up to the house. Some slight changes had been made to the house, including a strange pyramid-shaped extension to the hidden room. This is the room with all the torn Bible pages pasted up on the walls and the ceiling and the white-painted crosses. It came out like a ledge above the front door, and it had an octagonal-shaped stained glass in the center. It appeared to be an all-seeing eye in the pyramid. I had my friend stay in the car by the street while I knocked on the door. The door's glass pane was painted from the inside, so you couldn't see inside the house. To the right of the door, there were some blinds that had been broken in the window, as if someone had been peeking out countless times. I knocked for about five minutes and no one answered. 
I walked back around the side of the house with my camera just to have a look around and get some footage. I instantly found the large sunroom type windows of the living room. This was the room of the house where so much demonic activity took place over the years. This is the room where the music would sound of little girls humming. This was the room where my friend's mom was getting an uneasy feeling on the night she gave birth to my friend. Just a reminder, she didn't give birth at the house, but she was in that room before she went to the hospital, and she had many eerie feelings that were coming upon her. As I approached the set of the large windows, I noticed that they had all been blacked out. Not with curtains or sheets hanging there, but thick black cloth material. Totally opaque, similar to a comforter, bunched up and maybe even pasted in to fill the entire wall of windows. No one could see in, and no one could see out. I got some footage and then turned the camera onto myself so that I could explain what I was looking at. As I'm talking to the camera, I see a white figure, small in size and shape, move across the blacked out window, like a flash of white light or something. I didn't think too much about it at the time, but I knew it was something strange. I got back in the car and we left. I started watching the video interview from the night before while we were driving. I heard Dallas tell about a white light figure that would flash across certain windows in the house, and I got the chills instantly. I had totally forgotten that detail while I was at the haunted house. How could I have seen this thing in a blacked out window? I then pulled up the footage of the blacked out window for my friend to see because she had stayed in the car the entire time down by the street. I'm playing it back and we hear a loud squealing sound in the video. She asked what the sound was and I told her it must have been a car peeling out or taking a turn really fast while I was filming. She said no way, that was not possible because she was parked down by the street the whole time and she said that when she heard the noise, she looked around to see if there was a car about to wreck. She said there were no cars at the time of the sound. On top of that, it was a two-lane residential area. I honestly didn't notice the details because I was preoccupied examining the house. But my friend is positive that the sound was not tires of a car screeching. Then I started to think about the sound, known as the Banshee's Cry. For those who don't know, the Banshee is a demon in Irish and Scottish folklore, which is said to wail really loud or cry really loud. It's supposedly an eerie screaming sound. In Scottish history, the entity is known as the Bean Sith. Alleged sightings have even been reported in modern day periods dating back to 1948. Their cry is also associated with death. I don't want to speculate too much about this because I really can't prove it. But something wasn't right and something didn't want me there. The last thing that struck me about this possible Banshee's cry is that the night before, during the interview session, as I stated previously, Dallas began speaking Irish dialect uncontrollably in mid-sentence. My dad even confirmed, as he dealt with several people who were demon-possessed throughout his ministry, this was a telltale sign. They would start speaking in a different voice or a different dialect. As we were traveling back, the GPS took us out to a remote and bare location in the center of a lost highway. Literally, we landed at our destination in the dead center of this open stretch of land on a highway. We rerouted three times and ended right back up in the exact same place. My friend said that this was unusual because she had never in her life had any issues with GPS taking her to her dad's house. Let me remind you that we had no trouble finding the house the previous night. 
We were puzzled, and we really didn't know what to think. Then we realized that the gaslight was on, and we were in the middle of nowhere, and the GPS was telling us that we were at the exact location of his address, and the exact zip code and everything was all entered in properly. Things were getting stranger by the second. We finally made it to a small old gas station, and the clerk had no idea as to the place we were trying to go. We eventually made our way to an old historic downtown area where Dallas' wife was able to give us a general idea of how to get back to the area when we finally were able to reach her on the telephone. Both of us were already uneasy about everything that had happened, but we finally made it back to the house. Little did we know things were about to take a final turn for the worse, causing us to make an early escape, cutting the trip short by a whole day. As we arrived, Dallas' wife greeted us and talked softly as to not wake Dallas up. He was finally asleep, and his wife wanted to keep it that way. She led us back into the garage area where they spent most of their time. It was set up like an outdoor living room with a TV, stereo, music equipment, and a collection of his carved figures. She was almost whispering at this point. My friend told her that I had had a nightmare the night before, and Dallas's wife asked me to tell her what happened. So I went on to explain the paddling on the skateboard on my stomach, the police officer chasing me up and over the ravine, and then the spiders, and even the waking bite that left pain in my leg. My friend then asked her if there was a ravine anywhere nearby. What happened next couldn't have gotten any creepier. His wife froze and got silent, and she looked as if she had seen a ghost. She said the only ravine like that around here is right up on their property. She went on to say that Dallas's best friend, who had lived in the haunted house before the preacher moved in, had had an experience a while back. He had been running around with a machete, and police began to chase him. The chase led back to Dallas's property, where he began crawling on his belly up toward the ravine. And the officer had finally cornered him in the ravine area. This same friend had also been subject to much of the demonic and paranormal activity that Dallas had experienced throughout his life. I immediately began praying in the spirit against this attack, and I felt pressure on my chest. I had not felt this kind of demonic oppression in a long time. The air was getting thick and I could feel the stress in my breathing patterns. I had to get out of there and I knew it. I began rebuking the demonic spirits and forces that were attacking me, and there was no way that I could stay there another night. I said I needed to get some fresh air, and so Dallas's wife walked us outside and wanted to show us the property that was surrounded by all the automatic carvings. I knew I wouldn't get this chance again, so I turned on my video camera to get some footage of all of this. He had more of these automatically carved deities than I had ever imagined. They were strategically placed, or so it seemed, creating a border between his house and the woods. Everything ranging from animal-human-like hybrid deities and African voodoo gods to gray aliens, owls, Nordics, Indian medicine men, and even a dragon were carved precisely out of blocks of wood. Some of them had a strange series of golden coins on their heads and eyes made out of crystal-like ornaments. His wife said that they were just art, but the evidence seemed to tell a far greater story. Let me remind you that he does this all with a chainsaw. These are detailed carvings, three-dimensional in nature, with no ideas of what he's working on. He says that they just basically come to form. My brother said that he's heard of people doing carvings with chainsaws before. And my grandfather, who is now with the Lord, used to carve little airplane propellers out of wood blocks when we were kids. He would use a knife, but he always started by using a pencil to mark the wood 
to give little guides on where to carve. And you see this with many carving experts. They'll take some kind of a pencil or a marker and they'll mark the wood before they go in and start shaping it. But Dallas takes these huge blocks of wood and he just starts cutting away, resulting in these highly detailed images. That's really all I can say about the situation. The most logical explanation I can come up with is channeled carvings, automatic carvings. And they range in all types of mystical and esoteric demonic deities from various cultures around the world. So the tour of idols was complete, and we made our way back inside the house. And we entered into the garage area once again. But this entrance was different than any other entrance we had experienced throughout the whole trip. Dallas stood there hunched over in the room by himself, wearing a mask. The mask was that of an old ancient man with flowing white hair and a white beard and mustache. He hobbled over towards us and began speaking alien talk. That's the only thing I can think to explain it as. He spoke with some strange message for Earth coming directly from Orion's belt. My friend jumped back and screamed, and she grabbed a hold of me and continued to scream for him to stop. His eyes appeared white and milky, as if he were wearing contacts of some sort. I began praying in my spirit, and we backed up. If it weren't for the eyes, I would have thought that he was playing around. He stood there and wouldn't stop. His wife finally came in and fought him to get the mask off. When the mask finally came off, his eyes returned to normal. The mask had big cutouts for the eyes, so there was no eye coverings. It seemed as if there were attachments to the channel demon while he was wearing the mask. And this is all based on the fact of his eyes going from milky white to normal that fast as soon as the mask came off. My friend and I agreed that we needed to leave as soon as possible, and we were communicating via text message in the room at this point. I went to the bathroom, which was down the hall and around the corner from the room where everybody was hanging out. I pulled out my phone to record a video update, and as I started to film, I heard what sounded like a female voice right outside the bathroom door. It was light and hard to make out. I stopped filming and came out expecting to see Dallas's wife, but there was no one out there. And I walked back into the garage to find everyone sitting in there talking. The last thing that really stuck out to me about this was that the night before, my friend heard Dallas in the bathroom after everyone had gone to bed. She said she was having a hard time sleeping, and so she got up and walked out, and she heard him in the bathroom having a conversation with what had to have been a female entity as he was negotiating with her about a sexual act. His wife was asleep in bed, and he was in the bathroom. No one else had come to the house. He was all alone in there. What's really strange about this is that he had disclosed to us the night before that he had regular activity in the night with a female entity. I knew he wasn't fabricating the story in the least because he didn't even know what to call the entity. This is a guy who doesn't even use the internet often. He's practically living off the grid on a plot of cursed land, and he doesn't see all of this behavior and activity as demonic. So what we see when we research this type of occurrence is a demon known in medieval tradition as a succubus. For those who don't know, a succubus is a female demon or supernatural entity that appears in dreams and takes the form of a woman in order to seduce men, usually through sexual activity. The male counterpart is known as the incubus. So he was just telling us about his experiences, and his daughter just happens to hear him talking with an entity about future sexual acts, and he was even bargaining with this entity, according to my friend's eyewitness account. 
He had no idea that she was standing outside the bathroom door. The same bathroom door that I was standing by the following night when I heard the female voice. I honestly believed that I was hearing his wife whispering or talking softly, and I couldn't make out the words. But after hearing the story of the night before, I really don't know what I heard. What I do know is that this weekend was filled with demonic and paranormal attacks and mysteries that were not planned on. I had no idea what the trip was going to turn into. We quickly came up with an excuse to leave, and it got ugly. Dallas didn't want us to leave, and he began talking crazy and even raised his voice to his wife. I was waiting to see if her guardian demon was going to claw his chest again. We quickly got our things together and rushed out, and we hit the road. There were no more GPS errors, but my friend and I were extremely shaken up by everything that had happened. It's hard enough to experience something demonic and to process it, even just being one experience. But this was a period of over 24 hours that was filled with a roller coaster of paranormal events. And we were speechless. We had both been praying the entire time and fighting a spiritual battle from the moment we stepped foot on that property. On the drive home, we called my friend's mom, Dallas's former wife from over 30 years ago. She had much to say about everything. And she brought up many stories and had many questions for us about our current experiences. One last interesting spin to the story. Upon getting home and getting settled, my friend called Dallas, and he was acting normal again. He told her that all of the things that surrounded him were good, and there wasn't anything demonic going on over there. Some of you may be asking yourselves why I didn't try to take him through deliverance. The answer is simple. You can't take someone through deliverance who doesn't want it. I was able to document multiple video entries and get a few interview stories on camera. I got footage of the haunted slave quarters, the haunted house, as well as the automatic carvings of all the deities surrounding Dallas's home. We made it out of there by the skin of our teeth. I'm working on putting together this video right now, documenting this unfortunate chain of events. Mary Callie saw some of the pictures and was instantly quenched in her spirit. She didn't want me to include these images in the video because they can cause weak people to stumble. To the normal eye, they may look like cultural works of art maybe even drug-induced works of art. But to the trained warrior of Christ, these are demonic, cursed objects and idols. After praying about it, I've decided to make the video and share some of the things that I saw and experienced. If I get final approval from my friend, I'm going to go ahead and make this video public. Nothing in the story or video was scripted or staged, but this was a direct account of my weekend trip to Lincolnton, North Carolina. These events are fresh on my mind, and the best thing I could do was write them down. And tonight, I shared the paranormal case files with you all. This is very personal information, and it's a little hard to share, but these things must be understood as demonic realities. These realities exist in the world in which we live. This is a warning to everyone listening right now. Don't go looking for these things. I honestly only wanted to document some basic footage and interviews, but the heat got turned up really quick and things escalated. It's only by the grace of Jesus Christ Yeshua that we were protected and provided for in the midst of everything demonic that was surrounding us. If I had known what I was truly getting into before the trip, I would have never gone. I don't wish these experiences on anyone, but let this be a wake-up call to those listening who live in denial, who deny the existence of these types of activities. So here I am. In the aftermath of this ghostly adventure, I saw firsthand that even though I went somewhere dangerous, 
and I didn't realize what I was getting into, God had his hand of protection over me and my friend, and he brought us back home safely. Things could have been a lot worse. I saw the warning signs and I stayed longer than I should have, but I'm extremely grateful for God's grace and protection through it all. It's not always in our best interest to do on-site investigations, but I hope that this recounting of my weekend adventure will serve as a wake-up call to the realities of the spiritual war that's going on in our very midst. There are probably things and places just like this happening near you or existing near you and your very cities of residence. And do understand, please, that this is in no way, shape, or form meant to encourage you to go out looking for this. I've said it already and I'll say it again. Had I known exactly what I was getting into, I wouldn't have gone. With all of that said, let's take some time to reflect on God's word and move into something edifying. I think we need to go out on a positive note of spiritual encouragement. I know that after sharing all of that, I need some spiritual food. I want to start out by proclaiming that Satan and his demons have already been defeated by Jesus Christ Yeshua at the cross. This is a fact, signed in the blood of the Lamb. This is a timeless defeat that holds powerful and undefeatable throughout all eternity. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 through 15 tells us this, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. This is saying that just as we are flesh and blood, Jesus Christ became flesh and blood, so that he would be able to die just like one of us, and then resurrect in an act of destroying death and the devil. And this act brought deliverance to all men and all women who accept Christ and serve him and who live a life of faith which is pleasing unto God. It also explains that we had a fear of death before knowing Jesus Christ, and we were even subject to spiritual bondage. But he conquered that in his act of living a sinless life and dying on the cross as our perfect sacrifice, and then rising from the dead, displaying his untamable power. The power we have in Christ is unmatchable, friends. The Greek word we see in scripture for this power, the power of God, is dunamis. That's the word. That's the Greek word, dunamis. And it appears somewhere around 120 times in the New Testament. This is the root for the English word dynamite. It describes the showing of physical power and unmatched force. This dunamis power or this dynamite power of God is the very power that defeated Satan and all his demonic cronies. And they were defeated outside of time, once and for all, that day on Calvary, friends. That same dynamite power resides inside of us when we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. This power is there to help us perform as Christians and overpower any dark force or temptation that comes our way. This power is also shaping us and preparing us to be the followers of Christ Jesus that we're meant to be. Let me take you to Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 through 14. God hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. 
No more are we subject to the powers of darkness, ladies and gentlemen. If you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, you've been translated into the kingdom of Yeshua because he has redeemed us through his blood and he has forgiven our sins. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. This is powerful. The word spoiled here literally means diminished or destroyed. So let me break this down. God destroyed the principalities and powers of darkness. He even did it openly, making a public example, triumphing over them all in the act of diminishing them. This took place, folks, on Calvary. When we do research on different places that are considered haunted, what we find is that different locations are subject to various demonic principalities. The good news is that anyone who is washed in the blood of Yeshua, the blood of the Lamb, who is living in those areas or who might visit those places unaware, aren't subject to those principalities. The unbeliever is definitely subject to all demonic principalities, but not the children of God, as we've already covered in previous scriptures. Those demonic principalities, friends, have already been destroyed outside of time. Their time is all they have left here on this earth. And keep in mind, time is a variable, but their time is extremely limited. Let me take you to 1 John chapter 3. Verse 8 says this, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. This is a major victory battle verse, friends. We as sinners at one time were of the devil, but now through Christ we have been cleansed of our sins. This verse refers back to the cross. Jesus Christ Yeshua was manifested on the earth to destroy the works of the devil. The pinnacle of this act was the cross. We see a common denominator in all these verses, the cross, referencing back to the cross. At the cross on Calvary, the very act of Yeshua dying and rising from the grave is paramount to understanding how the enemy and his demons have already been defeated. They've been overcome by the marvelous light of Christ, and they have no power over our souls once we're redeemed in Jesus Christ. Let me take you guys over to Revelation chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Praise God. Even when the Antichrist will be pouring out his wrath upon the believers during the tribulation, the believers will overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. The Antichrist will kill some of them, unfortunately, but this life is temporary and eternity is forever and death has already been defeated by Jesus Christ. We know that the devil is already here in our realm and he is trying with all of his might to get this new world order in place. But he knows that his time is short and he is limited, just like it says in Revelation. But we as followers of the Savior have already overcome the enemy outside of time and that we are bought and paid for with the blood of the Lamb. And death cannot hold us down because death has been defeated, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, I take you to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself, and took on the form of a servant, taking on the form of man, just like us. He left his rights, he left his mansions, his heavenly abode, and he came here on this fallen planet. He was obedient unto death, even the worst kind of death, death on the cross. If you don't know about death on the cross, folks, it was extremely degrading and considered unclean to the Jewish people. But through all of this, he defeated death and all the dark forces and powers and principalities, and he was given a name that is highly exalted above every other name. So when you're faced with demonic attacks, or you're in a situation where you're feeling heavily oppressed, or if you're ever face-to-face -face with a demon-possessed person, you have nothing to fear, friends. Rather than fearing, you should operate in the mind of Jesus Christ Yeshua, always remembering that at His holy name, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, and even things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Isaiah 54, 17 We are in a battle, friends, and we cannot survive and defeat the enemy outside of Christ Jesus. We must be prayed up from the floor up. We must be filled with the word of God, hiding it in our hearts. We must have it as a sword to cut through the lies of the enemy and to shield us from every attack that comes our way. Just take a moment right now to thank God for his completed work on the cross, friends. Thank him for defeating death. Thank him for defeating every demonic principality and for destroying their leader who was the beginning of sin. Praise God for his dynamite power that we can experience by His Holy Spirit. This week, I want to challenge you all to start memorizing those verses we went through tonight. Start with those, because those are what I like to call battle verses. We have victory in those very verses, and the enemy and his dark forces hate it when we hold those victory verses in our hearts and when we meditate on them, worshiping God in His Word. You might want to even print them out Place them on your mirror, put them in your car, maybe your desk at work, and have them as constant reminders of the finished work of the cross and all that it entails, brought to us exclusively by Jesus Christ Yeshua. Let them permeate your heart and mind as you live each day to the glory of Yeshua and as you grow in your walks with Him. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted His holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, 
It's absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of his word. It's impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it's impossible to have peace with Yahweh Elohim, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins and have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. You see, the Bible declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts, actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Because of Jesus Christ Yeshua and His once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. Yahweh is a jealous God, but He's also rich in mercy, and tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, He's willing to show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. But as it says in Romans 6.23, only through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no other way to come to God, folks. There's no other way to get salvation. You can't earn your salvation by good works. Fact is, Jesus Christ is the only way. Every other way, folks, leads to hell. There's no authentic way to the Father but Jesus Christ Yeshua. I'm so thankful that God sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross, a living sacrifice, and shed His sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins and the ability to be seen as blameless before God on that day of judgment. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin putting on the armor of God and growing into an intimate relationship with Him. It's the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, get one and learn firsthand what God expects from you. Christ is our only hope, friends, and my prayer is that you believe on Him tonight. That's the most important part of the show and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived in high-quality streams on my website, fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. That's the number 4, T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O dot B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. There you'll find every broadcast dated and summarized for your convenience. Be sure to scroll all the way down on each page and click on the words Older Posts to be taken to more pages of archived shows. You can also find my shows broadcasted by the Fourth Watch Radio Network on Shoutcast, Spreaker, iTunes, or if you have an iPhone, iPad, or Android, you can download the Fourth Watch Radio Network app and enjoy easy streaming. For higher quality broadcasts, stay tuned in via fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the Fourth Watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network.